Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talking About Our Beautiful Savior. I am Pasha Alex Groth. And I'm Carrie Groth. This is episode number 18. Oh yeah. Nice. Okay, so we had two days of snow in Cincinnati mm-hmm. this week, which is, is pretty rare, right? Uh, even had a snow day yesterday. Yeah. So what's a, a memory of snow that you have a good memory? Okay, so I, used, I grew up in Michigan for a good mm-hmm. amount of time. And when I was a fifth grader, my brother and I were tasked with shoveling the driveways. We had okay. a back driveway and a front driveway, and they're very big driveways, like big. There's no need to brag, but go and on. And so for some reason, I, w- I liked very much. I liked shoveling, and I was very competitive. So mm-hmm. we would. it was like nighttime, so we'd have these floodlights on yeah. in the over the driveway, mm-hmm. and I would, like, count how many, you know, like, pushes – rounds what do you call like laps that that's it i'd count the laps and i always i always won nice we'd take that nathan Mm -hmm, yep (laughs) um my favorite memory uh, i have a younger sister ashley and there was this point where i was like she'd like shut up or shut up herself up in a room and like let's go out and play and let's go play outside and whatever and you know she was just like i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to go outside and i like really liked having fun um, (laughs) going outside and playing in the snow (laughs) And then, you know, eventually she got really mad at me, and uh, she, like, ran out into the cold, and she built this, like, ice castle out of ice, like, with her powers that she has. Oh, my and goodness. And she started Alex. just, like, you know, singing the song about letting it go and all this like stuff. And this it's, is... like, it's like, this is not, I don't like this song. Like, how did you just come up with it? <laughs> it was really well written, though. So... That didn't really happen. That's from Frozen. Sounded familiar. Yeah. No, I have no good memories in the snow. Whatever. Stop. Snow is terrible. Okay. This this (laughs) worship theme this week is trust in God's strength. We're starting a three-week series on the Sermon on the Mount. So the Savior Savior Sermon, specifically today, trust in God's strength, which is nice because we're starting with our Sunday school lesson about the fall of Jericho. So we've been leading up to this lesson the last few weeks in Sunday school. We've had the 12 spies. We had the two spies sneaking into Jericho last week with Rahab, Rahab's assistance. Now we're getting to the point where uh, Jericho's going down. Uh, Jericho probably means the name, probably means moon city. And it's thought that perhaps they worshipped the moon as a god. So we should realize God's not just destroying the Canaanite people. He's destroying Canaanite false religions. So that's a big part of what's going into Israel's conquest of of this land. It's God wants them to establish themselves as a nation, but he doesn't want them to be tempted by other foreign religions. Because that would definitely, you know, like influence the yeah, Israelites. Yeah, it would. I and mean, their and, neighbors believe in other gods. Oh, 100%. They could always see that as they were wandering through the wilderness. They just saw other nations' religions and were drawn toward them. And, you know, ultimately Israel doesn't drive all the other people out and the ones that they leave in the area they for generations they struggle with false the false gods of these these people that they left there so god was right uh walls of jericho were super huge uh just very intimidating to any any sort of enemy force that was going to come up against them and it's thought that there was a system of two walls that there was a, a pretty large wall like surrounding the city and then sort of an extended incline up to the city itself that also had giant walls. So wow. it's like if you were some enemy army, you'd really have to try to scale that lower wall. While you're doing that, you're getting 
shot at by arrows and spears and stuff like that. So yeah, just uh, it seemed to be uh, an impenetrable city. But here's the the battle plan. So God tells Joshua to lead Israel around the the city for seven days. And just imagine being the Israelite army as Joshua was like, yeah, here's the battle plan. The priests are going to blow trumpets. We're going to walk around the city. And the seventh day, the walls are going to fall. And so were they supposed to walk around the city for the first six days in silence? No, well, the, the priests are blowing trumpets the whole time. The whole time, okay. Yeah, so the you know the soldiers aren't doing much, but yeah, the priests are blowing trumpets as they walk around for six days. Uh, you just think from a human standpoint, would the soldiers have felt sort of ridiculous? Like you're supposed to be this tough soldier, and you're just, you know, marching around the city maybe a little vulnerable yeah vulnerable to expose that you're just you know marching around the city in full view of the enemy soldiers inside but then i you know i also think what it looked like from inside the city to the people of jericho i just think it'd be really creepy that these people aren't this is very strange that they're just walking around the city blowing trumpets in a mass number in a a mass number of people i don't know and then they just they go back to their camp like walk around the city once that that would be Intimidating. Yeah. Um, these people are, are weird. Pretty ominous. Um, so, yeah, they walk around the city for six days, um, one, once a day. Uh, then Joshua, it's, it's time. And he gives them this ominous warning about nobody can take any treasure from the city. You know, that was a pretty common thing. You, you, be, you know, destroy a city, you take the treasure within. God says we're, we're burnt, or Joshua says, God told me we're burning this whole city. We're dedicating it all. I think okay, that's interesting that that's recorded. And it, there's a reason for it. Later, we find out that this guy named Achan did say, take some of the treasure, and it was a very yeah. big consequence for him. And the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times. Seventh lap, everybody shouted, and the walls fall straight down, and people rush into the city. And everyone in the city is destroyed except for Rahab and Ray, her family. Rahab and her family. Yep. Joshua remembered his promise. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. Um, as we mentioned last week, she becomes part of the line of the Savior. Uh, just about the number seven, that comes up repeatedly in the Bible. Uh, often the interpretation there is that it's four plus three. Do you know what the four is? I do. What's the four? So four is the earth, like south, northwest, and east. Mm-hmm. And then three is the triune God. Yeah, the triune God. So, so seven is really God and humanity. You know, complete. Complete, this completeness, this working together. So seven is often mistaken for like this is the number of God. But it really seems to be more God Jeez. plus humanity, that God God takes care of the humans. Ooh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, just a couple notes about uh, you know, archaeological things. For there were, We'll talk about this in the Sunday School Teachers Meeting tonight. It was thought for a long time in archaeology that Jericho um, had been found and there was no... Um, that it had been destroyed by the time the Israelites would have... You know, been attacking it in the late, you know, 1400s BC. Uh, this this archaeologist in 1960 kind of her her findings became very influential. That no, it was probably destroyed by the Egyptians in 1550, and then about 20 30 years later, they did the research and found this pottery that was very specific to the late 1400s. So that wow. it actually matched up with what the Bible said about Israel destroying it. Uh, in the ruins, they found it looks like the walls fall fell straight down Whoa. rather than being you know like pushed in like you would imagine if an enemy is knocking the walls in you know it seems like Jericho was very well prepared they found massive stores of of grain 
that were uneaten, wow. or and some of them were even burned, which makes sense. It wasn't a long siege. It was a week, and then they burned the whole city. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting stuff there. And we don't believe that Jericho you know, fell because of archaeology, but it's kind of interesting when it, archaeology supports what Scripture says. What do you think, uh, what's our major lesson we learned from the fall of the walls of Jericho? Well, um, it's the Lord's battle, not ours. Yeah. Uh, he's going to do it from start to finish, and we're really just, you know, tools mm-hmm. that he chooses to use. Yeah, that's that's very good. At that moment, I try to imagine that moment to be a soldier. You raise your voice, the trumpet blasts, just the chaos of that moment, and you see the walls fall. And just to know completely, this is God's doing. We hadn't, it doesn't matter, you know, that we've been training in hand-to-hand combat. It doesn't matter that I'm like super hardcore Israelite soldier, like <laughs> one-man wrecking crew. A lot of protein shakes. Yeah, a lot of protein, whatever the Israelite equivalent of a protein shake. I eat a lot of bugs. Um, yeah, it wasn't that. It's like the walls fall because God makes them fall. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good lesson for us. What also, do you say? like, you know, they they penetrate the city and like really could have used some of the nice things mm-hmm. that they found but they they gave them to god yeah. and that would have been like an act of uh worship an act of trust mm-hmm. like god's going to take care of you and yeah. then just a, a being able to obey that like an opportunity to obey. yeah no that's good so they we're trusting in god that he's going to take the city and then they see it happen and then trusting God that even if they don't take all this loot from the city that God's going to provide, and, and he does. So translate that to today, it just that my salvation is entirely in God's hands. So is him providing for me. And I just I trust in him. We trust in him. And then also we bring our offerings to him, trusting that we'll, we'll bring a portion of you know, what he's given us, give it to him, and he'll still provide for us anyway, and he does. So great example of trust here. Anything else on walls of Jericho? Well, I think about, um, you know, just how the Israelites were supposed to go and destroy these other nations. um, And really, truly, underneath it all was to preserve their faith. Mm -hmm. Um, If if Israel, Israel as a nation would have adopted, you know, some of these false gods and then been so influenced, like, would I know about Jesus? I don't know. Right. So, like, he, it, it just seems so mean, but it was actually to preserve mm-hmm. the faith of yeah. people. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. I, I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast before, but what these nations were doing in terms of their, their morals and how they treated other nations and what they did to their children, it's pretty awful. So I think there's, there's good reasons. God is wise. It's, it's hard to, in our 2023 mindset, to gra- grasp, okay, he's telling them to either drive out these nations or obliterate them. But this was this was their judgment. They're yeah. being asked to carry out God's judgment. Like the, the, the atrocious, atrocious acts from these other nations. I mean, it was like a nightmare. Yeah, it was so. very, very bad. So, yeah. you know, God had given them a chance. These people had rejected him and, and shown their rejection by pretty nasty behavior. And God says, okay, the, your, your time is up now. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to 1 Corinthians 1, which is our second lesson this week. Uh, it's at the end of the chapter, and Paul is talking to these people in Corinth. He's, he's been there. He served as their pastor. And uh, the section starts with him by saying, you know, talking to them and saying, not many of you are wise by human standards, influential or noble. I think if you're like in Thanks, Corinth, Paul. 
and Courtney, you know, hearing this read as a group, like, okay, Paul, like, uh, yeah, thanks, man. Tell us how you really feel. Is he's just. You didn't. You didn't tell us this before, but now that you're writing this letter, you didn't. You don't think any of us were that wise by human standards, but it's a. Uh, it's 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 good. I mean, they would have known that these people in Corinth. You know, they would have known that they were different than the kind of social elite of the day. You know, who often you know were philosophers or bought into philosophy and just thought of themselves as being extremely wise. And I've got it all together, and I'm the key to everything. He's kind of setting the the Corinthians apart and saying, "You recognize that you're not this trained philosopher. You recognize that you're just yeah. someone who understands how much they need God." Were so were was Corinth like a party city? Like yeah, I think like a lot of the cities that Paul ended up visiting, Corinth had had some big city struggles. Corinth was a pretty major deal yeah. back then. So yeah, I think a lot of a lot of vices in mm-hmm. Corinth. Okay. Uh, he goes on to say, God shows the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the strong. So just saying, you know, God, God picked you. You might not be, it ends up being a pretty heartwarming thing. You know, yes. saying God chose you uh, specifically to be, you know, his, his tools, his messengers. And he picked you. And, and because of that, you kind of make all the quote unquote wise people of the world look foolish. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you have a wisdom that's greater than any of it. You know, than Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, any of these guys. You're smarter than them because you know Jesus is your savior. You know Christ crucified, and that's what makes someone wise. That's what makes someone strong in this world. So he ends up making it into a really great compliment that, no, you are strong and you are wise because God has made you wise and strong through the gospel. Well, I I really like that he says that because, um, like, the initial, like, you weren't wise in human standards or Mm. whatever. Um, Because we all know, like, yeah, like, I'm not very wise. Like, I speak for yourself. <laughs> so like, you know, he was he was really getting to what in their hearts they yeah. would have, you know. No, I think this this lesson has a lot of value because Christians, it's no secret Christians are sort of mocked today for being I, I think the stereotype of a Christian, a conservative Bible-believing Christian today, you know, is that you're kind of a redneck, you know, the Creation Museum, I think I've certainly heard people out there talking about, you know, this just sort of backwards, you know, place where people that don't understand science go when, you know, you go to the Creation Museum, it certainly seems very well thought out, and there's, you know, science that supports these different concepts and things like that, but just the, it can be easy for us as Christians, especially young Christians, to feel kind of stupid, because mm-hmm. the world makes you feel stupid, so a section like this, I think, even though it was written 2,000 years ago, it could be really helpful for a high school student, a college student, or, you know, if you're listening to this, someone who'll be in high school or college pretty soon in the next few years, because at some point, some professor, some friend, some boss, some coworker is going to make you feel pretty dumb for going to church, and a section like this can help you say, yeah, it's okay. You, you know what wisdom is. You don't have to fall into that trap of like, oh, I'm not smart enough. I guess I better leave Christianity. It's not, it doesn't have to work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote down, he wrote, Christ has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Christ becomes our wisdom, right? Through through what? Well, he's perfect in our place. He becomes our holiness. He redeems us. So that's what true wisdom looks like, is Christ for us, Christ in our place. And then he finishes by saying, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, which is just a good general rule in a mm-hmm. world where we're so often told to find our value through what we do successfully or, you know, 
high, minimize your failures, trump you know trump up your successes, and this we fall into that temptation too because that's that's kind of what we want to think. Like I am important, I do mean something, and God says if you're gonna boast in anything, boast in me. And then you'll actually feel good about it because it's true. (laughs) It is true. You don't have to convince yourself it's true. All right, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Uh, Do you know what the Beatitudes are? Yeah. What does it mean? Um, Teachings, blessings. This is how, oh, I got it. Blessings, yeah. Blessed blessed are you. Um, Blessed are those who mourn. uh, People's Bible makes some really important distinctions. It said that the Sermon on the Mount, is probably the most famous sermon preached of all time in the People's Bible. I forget so how they put it. But yeah, it just said it's so misunderstood. And it could be, you know, you could read the whole Sermon on the Mount and make that your faith and not be a Christian. Yep. Because the audience is important. It's being spoken to the disciples who already know Jesus as their Savior. And he's really describing this is what life looks like as a Christian. He's mm-hmm. not saying, blessed are you if you're poor in spirit, because then... I'll love you. Blessed are you when you mourn, when you seek righteousness. Because guess what? Then I'll then I'll like you. No, he's. It's assumed in this sermon that you are a Christian, mm-hmm. and then these these are the blessings that will come in your life. Now, when we read these things, we realize I don't do all this stuff. Or I don't exhibit this attitude. So there's some law here too. Is what I realize. I don't have what God wants for me, and I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very important to realize That's this is not. Super, you know, yeah. this is not a description of what we need to do to please God. We yeah. can't please God. Jesus did. You know, just our previous section, Jesus is wisdom and our righteous holiness and redemption. So he already did the work. Now, this is just a de- description of the blessings that could be ours when we trust and him. And just like what encouragement to like trust him because mm-hmm. man, these are the these are the blessings that come when yeah. I trust God. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I just pick out a few of them. I believe Vicar's preaching on it this weekend, so he'll he'll cover this in in greater detail. He's a good preacher. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's just, you know, I think to me that's the one that's always stood out. You know, how much of life is spent mourning um, death for, you know, is the most significant one. But mourning just the state of this world, the state of our lives. And we just realize things aren't as they should be. You realize Jesus is weeping at Lazarus' funeral because this is not the way it was supposed to be. This wasn't the design. You know, Adam and Eve fell into sin and, you know, that's why Lazarus is dead because of sin. So we, we mourn, but we'll be comforted. You know, here on this earth, we're comforted. Second Corinthians 1 talks a lot about the comfort we have from God. But ultimately, we'll be truly comforted in heaven. Well, and if you're not mourning here on this earth, then you're you're not really acknowledging the Yeah, the I think that's the... that's true. If, you're, if there's never a point of mourning in your life, like outside of like the death, then yeah, you're, not, you're probably not recognizing just how broken mm-hmm. we are, how broken mm-hmm. this world is. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness is not a quality that's celebrated in people typically. Typically, if you're meek, you know, people think like you're a doormat and you just, you know, you just let people walk all over you. But, you know, you'll inherit the earth. You know, the, the meek is just that you're you're not boisterous, I think the people's Bible used, which is a great word. Mm. You're not demanding. I'm going to demand that, you know, people treat me a certain way. But you know, meek is just sort of like, I already have what I need from God. Mm-hmm. Everything that I am, everything that I do is already wrapped up in the past and what God has done for me and in the future, what God will do for me. So I don't need to kind of stomp around this world demanding that I be treated a certain way or demanding to be noticed. I can be meek and just, you know, not, mm. not fade into the background, but I'm right. just... Gentle. Well, and yeah, and you can be very assertive, but also meek, mm-hmm. because you know, like that's what Jesus was. 
Right. Uh, you know, heaven, heaven and earth will be ours one day. They'll inherit the earth. Um, blessed are the those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So just this general sense, like I'm not, I'm incomplete. Mm-hmm. I need Jesus. I I'm not righteous on my own. So just to have this hunger and thirst, I think, man, I get so hungry and just the. Uh, like you know when i came home for lunch today like immediately like went to the refrigerator i'm like i gotta have the peace bread like right now and you know just so to feel that way about jesus too yeah. is like i gotta have jesus that bread of life right now right yeah. because like i need it i, I need do. it i need yeah. it yeah so not complacent not lukewarm but i'm hungry yeah um blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god so not just passively sitting, waiting for peace, but actively trying to bring about peace. You know, when people in your life are, are fighting, you know, someone is upset at you to try to bring peace to that situation. Um, that's a quality that God sees in us as his children. And then it just finishes very powerfully when it says, blessed are you who are persecuted, blessed are you when people insult you, say all kinds of evil, rejoicing, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. So there's a lot of things in the readings that encourage us to just be Christians openly in this world and not worry so much about how people will treat us. It's yeah. like, no, God God understands how this is all going to work out. Your reward is in heaven. The prophets were treated like you before that. So what are you waiting for? Just mm-hmm. go be a Christian. Let people see. Yeah. And if, and if you're not, you know, doing the A part, then, okay, I just got a little bit off track. Never mind. I just, I just feel like if, so if I'm not living out my faith, I'm not going to be persecuted. But if I am living out my faith, like truly living Mm -hmm. out my faith, then I probably will encounter that. There there probably will be some conflict in our lives if we're being a light. Yeah. And that's, that's good. It starts a conversation. Hopefully make somebody ask, why are you doing this? And you can point to Christ as the answer. So just themes of reversal. And I think everything that is said in the Beatitudes is very counterintuitive. You know, we just think, well... Life works this way, life works this way, and Jesus is actually blessed are you, you know, when you're meek, when you suffer, you know, when you're you're merciful rather than getting revenge. Think of how many eighties action movies I watched growing up that are all about like, you know, vengeance and Jesus is like, No, it's not it's not really like a thing. That wouldn't be a great movie though. The guy that just, just walks around having mercy. No, on there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a movie like that. Yeah, it's called uh, The Passion of the Christ. Oh and it's about Jesus. Well that's a good movie. Okay, um, Jesus Paid It All Ooh. is one of our hymns this week. I don't remember where it falls in the service, but Carrie will read the first two verses, including the refrain in the middle. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. That's good. There's some good wordplay in there. The leper's spot, I assume that's a play on words with like leopard can't change its spots. No, the leopard. I know, but I think that's what it's like. Oh. It's a play on word. Like oh. a leper can't change its spots. A leopard can't change its spots. So that's, I've always thought that was kind of like a funny turn of phrase. Uh, but yeah, him that really, you know, Jesus paid it all, the him I owe. So uh, in a week where the theme is trust in the Savior's strength, this hymn you know, says it very beautifully. Sin left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. I really like the um, melt the heart of stone because, yeah. like, I think it's just so tempting to be, to get the mindset of, like, I've, you know, I've really been trying to, like, 
bring Jesus to this person, and it's just like they're just not, mm-hmm. you know, it's a stone, like stone it's wall. not right. And but no, Jesus, Jesus can melt mm-hmm. that, and I've seen him do it, yeah, like, so many times, right? So With our own hearts too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Final question: uh, so Trust in the Savior's strength. We you said our culture often pushes us back to like it's all about you. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to be strong and independent. Well, how can we be counterintuitive this week? How will you despair of your own strength and focus on God's strength? Well, I often find that uh, my amount, like the amount of time I spend in prayer, um, <laughs> coincides with the amount of time I'm like trying to fix things myself. Mm-hmm. So, like, it goes down when I'm trying to fix things myself. And so, I have noticed that. I, I want to be praying more um, because, you know, I'm not the, I can't fix my, I can't fix my problems, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> I can't either. Yeah, so just trust, focus on God instead as yeah. the one who can actually either fix the problem or make us okay with the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? That's very good. And make the problem okay for you too. Yeah. Working. I would say for me, um, two things. Things seem very busy right now. I think uh, Jan, I was Mr. Gum, our principal, was talking the other day just about how you know after Christmas you just think, okay, woo, you know, right. take a take a breath. Everything's going to be nope. much more relaxed, and January sneaks up on you. So I think for me, it's it's just I start to feel very much like oh, I've got all this stuff to do. Like I need to really get it together. And I think this is a good chance to just say like, no, I just need to focus on serving God and the, the very simple task that God has given me. And I think the other thing is I went to a conference last week. We talked about that a little bit in the podcast. And you, you hear all these cool things that other churches are doing. And it's suddenly you're like, oh, man, I got to do these 50 things. You know, I came back you feel with my, my, notes, yeah. my notes app on my phone full of things we got to try. And they are really good things, and mm-hmm. I hope our church can incorporate them at some point. But it, that, no, that list doesn't—that list doesn't need to be like, "Here's all the stuff I need to get done." Right. That list can be, well, our church has lots of people that can help put these things in place. But most importantly, like these are things that are designed to get people in God's Word more. So how can I point other people to God's strength rather than just like, "Here's a task list for me." Loosely, maybe related, not connected. I don't know. Let's but, hear it. Uh, it made me think of the story of, you know, Jesus walking on the water um, during that awful storm. Um, the disciples were on the boat and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus was walking on the water. And um, I found this picture where Jesus is walking on the Lord. It's like a watercolor painting. Mm-hmm. And it just has like this like glow around Jesus, you know, in the midst of this very dark dooming yeah. you know storm and it just like the little caption is focused on jesus not the storm yeah and like man that transforms everything mm-hmm. yeah that's good i like the, that imagery all right last thing is just we had teen group last night it was great uh we did a bible study uh synod bible study and just uh processing feelings of guilt and things like that and what what god wants us to do no. and pete the Young people were very open and honest talking through their, their feelings. So I would just ask you to pray that our young people know that they are loved by God, that they are innocent in his sight, and that they are strong in him. Indeed. All Amen. right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.